Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Another victory episode, one more away. Colton Lions now have a magic number of whatever, one, as in one half, like one, I guess it would be. So I'm, of course, Dick Fogberger along with Colton Pouncey after Lions' 42 17 win uh, over the Broncos last week. Didn't clinch over the weekend like we talked about was possible, Colton, but um, now it is possible. And because of that, you have to go on the road for a holiday weekend. How are we doing? How are we doing, Colton? <laughs> yeah, it's been an interesting couple of weekends here. I had to work on my birthday when the NFL flexed that game to uh, Saturday night. And then the lines are good now, so I have to travel on holidays. I didn't go to that Christmas Eve Panthers game last year, which was probably for the best. Uh, I have to go to Minneapolis this year, but you know what? Not complaining. It'll yeah. be fun. And uh, might get a chance to see some history. So, yeah, I mean, I that's, think that's that, pretty cool. Like you said, you'll be able to get out of there in time to get home for Christmas morning. So that's good. You know what I mean? Like That's yeah. an easy in-and-out city, and you're right there to Chicago for home. So no big deal there. You know, right. I mean, I've had worse. I've traveled on Christmas Day before. It's a depressing situation. But at least you're going home, okay? I've traveled to a place on Christmas Day. That's terrible. That's like <laughs> everyone on that yeah. flight is like, oh, my God, what are we? What am I doing with my life? Like, this is not this is not acceptable. But you'll be okay. Right. Plus, you got people there with you. So, And like you said, there's some history possible on the line here. You know, this is a, this is a situation where um, – you know, first divisional clinch since what's the year? Ninety three. Yeah, nineteen ninety three. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nick, were you aware that there is a nineteen ninety three NFC Central Division That's banner right. the last at Ford one. Field? And there was a time where I believe they they either did this or considered it. They're going to put a, they were going to put a playoff banner up one of these one of those years. Oh. The, the two thousand eleven, okay. I think it was. And they didn't do it, oh, but no. like people were like, "What is happening? <laughs> like this is now what we're celebrating." Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. It's yeah, getting a little lonely up there. That's why I, I I noticed it for the first time. Like, is that the division banner? I didn't know it was there. Was hell too. Uh, if anyone's ever seen it, if you go on to Fort Field next time, now you'll never not see it. But like, you look up there, it looks old as hell too. Yeah, it, it really does. I was talking to some people. I'm like, are some former Lions players this past week, like that were on those teams, like. When was the last time you were at Ford Field, and are you aware that that banner is there? Because I just noticed it for the first time. They're like, there's a banner there from our team? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I just noticed that for the first time. But they do have a chance to uh, make some history in Minneapolis this week and uh, get that banner some company in there. How, I mean, like, how about that, that would be pretty cool. And I think that if you if you talk to some of those guys, too, they would probably even tell you, you know, um, and maybe they did. Like, at the time, that was supposed to be one of many that was supposed to be like 1993, you know, Barry was not an old man. Lomas was not an old man. You know, I mean, I know we've gone through all the, everybody's gone through Scott Mitchell through his fit uh, <laughs> during the Barry documentary. On, and so it's, there was all these things, but like 91 <laughs> was that special year. And then, you know, 92, they don't make it. 93, they come back with essentially a lot of the guys that were on that same 91 team. 
94, I think they start back over with Mitchell, mm-hmm. but like that that was supposed to be the first of many, and it didn't happen. And and so that's an era that's very, very interesting to me always that I look back on a lot because Miss Spielman played in that era, of course. A lot of the guys, um, and I know you you know mm-hmm. you mentioned as well, but like. Those guys were really good players that wanted to win here, and they were young, and they were hungry, and they wanted to stay here, and it didn't work out. Now, you look at today, and it's very similar. It reminds me of, you know, it does. It reminds me of a similar situation. I was a kid at the time, too young to remember too much of that. Um, But having since gone back and looked at the roster and everything else and where those guys were at in their 10 years, Lions just didn't pay them. And now you've got a situation where the NFL, thankfully, is different, right? The NFL is structured in a way that, you can't get away with some of the crap that they used to get away with in Detroit. Now it's a little different. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I do believe, you know, there's tests here that are going to come this offseason. But it's the same situation right now where you've got a young, hungry group that it's right here, on, you know, here to do it. You've had to go through the ups and downs. You've had to learn how to win. You've had to learn how to be hunted. And, you know, this past game, Colton, I think is another example of they're getting better in, at all these little tests. And this would be the final little hurdle before the next one. No doubt. And just going back to that real quick, like, you know, as I've kind of learned about these 90s Lions teams, it, I guess my sense early on was, oh, well, obviously Barry mm-hmm. was carrying them. And then I dug in more. I'm like, really they had some talented yeah. rosters, man. And the fact that they weren't able to get over the hump and, you know, they had the one playoff win and then, you know, they made the playoffs, but they couldn't win a game after that. It was kind of like, I don't want to say a wasted opportunity, but in, in some ways they let these other franchises like Dallas and Washington kind of make their mark in the 90s when they kind of had a chance to be that same in that same era, and then they let some guys get away and walk in free agency, and then it was over before it really oh, yeah. even got a chance to get going there. And, like, I kind of see some parallels with this team, and the, the way that they're building it, is they're, they're doing it the right way, um, and it feels like they're sending at the right time. And that was that's that was sort of the, the theme I talked to, um, talked about with other players, just – um, watching this current group and what they're going through. I can totally through. see the cup. Yeah, um, I can totally see it. They're, they're so proud. They see the team building. They see, like, the camaraderie between these guys. And, I mean, they hope that it can be sustainable. Um, but they look at this year as really that first year where they can kind of make their mark and, and sh- yeah. show that they've arrived. And so the way you do that is you get a division title. Um, that's the first step. That's something that Dan Campbell's been talking about all offseason. That was really the only goal they laid out. If you listen closely, you never hear them talking about Super Bowl expectations or this or that. It's always, we got to get this division, get in the dance, and then see what happens from there. And they have a chance to do that this Sunday um, if they take care of business against the Vikings and um, get this division title. Do it, and you have a chance to do it with some breathing room, which would be important as well, because I think Campbell actually said to the team in the locker room there after the game, like, it doesn't get harder for us, it gets harder for everybody else. All we have to do now is just win one more, Mm -hmm. and then after that, you're looking at seeding and everything, so on and so forth. So it doesn't get easier, but at the same time, like it's a little simpler because they've taken care of business and again avoided, you know, setback number two, back-to-back losses again. It hasn't happened all year uh, with this performance against Denver in a game that, um, you know, I look back and uh, Campbell talked about how he thought Peyton was going to embarrass him, and um, Anzalone actually said the same thing more or less because. <laughs> I think I saw that. Like he said, he'll put up 50 on us or something like this. He'll try to score 50 on us. He, you know, he knew him too. Sounds about and right. And you know what? Uh, you're going to call out a spade a spade on that and say that was uh, Dan Campbell created that whole thing and had Anzalone, you know, <laughs> a little generated narrative. Shoot and had yeah. Anzalone do the same thing and, and play along with it. And it worked because those guys came out ready. I mean, I don't know if they needed to do it, but he pulled, <laughs> we pulled out all guns for that one. Did he not? Because 
really focused, really, did. really focused group. And Denver had a ton yeah. on the line. Like that was a huge game for Denver, and they beat the shit out of them uh, in prime time. No questions <laughs> asked. Denver is a much better team than you know September. Denver was. That was an impressive win, and that was the Lions that we have got. That that's who we believe this team is, right? And it's probably at close to its best right there in that game. Yeah, uh, definitely some manufactured adversity. Yeah, manufactured adversity. Some pretty smart but it was, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was the perfect time to kind of pull mm-hmm. that out, right? Just the way that they've been playing. Campbell said he needed to turn up the intensity a little bit. He said he needed to be a little bit more irritable in practice. Uh, to get this group back to playing the way that they know that they can play. It was never a matter of, oh, you know, uh, we're not the same team. That was the messaging last week. We're the same team that started off the season beating the Chiefs, and we got to show it because it's in there, and we got to play like it. Um, and so you see that effort, and that was so that was much needed, right? You're talking about playing your best football in December. They hadn't been doing that. They've been turning the ball over. They've been shooting themselves in the foot. They've been, you know, they have these – Moments where you're, you're about to wrap up Justin Fields and all of a sudden he runs for 19 yards. It's like they're kind of just not finishing and, and beating themselves. And that was kind of the product of the last, you know, four or five games before then. And so to have this effort in, in December to get yourself back on track, it happened to coincide with a week where pretty much everything fell your way. Uh, every other team in the division lost uh, to a point where the only way you lose the division, if you lose three straight and Minnesota wins three straight, um, you know their playoff percentage is still sitting at like ninety nine percent. So they're they're just one win away, man. They've set everything up, um, and to, to perform like that against a Denver team that had won six of seven, I think, in their you know previous seven games, uh, turn their season around. They were using the Lions as an example of how to get back on track. The twenty twenty two Lions, where they went from one and six and eight and two, um, again, and then Sean Payton, you know, coming into town and. You know, trying to take down his uh, mentee. Like, there's a lot at stake, uh, a lot of storylines here, but the Lions went out and proved that um, they're still capable of playing like this and getting up for the moment. And I thought that was uh, exactly what you wanted to see. The most important thing here was that, it, it again, was they maxed out, or they more or less did. They, they got everything, and it was a team effort offensively. The defense hung in and did exactly what yeah. it needed to do to get through the game, of course. we talk about that in a second. But offensively, you know, this was back to – comfortable or, you know, confident golf. He made a throw early in the game to Laporta over the middle through the little triangle, and he just, I mean, it's boom, right through a needle that you're like, okay. Like, it was after the first two drives, after the first couple, they were a little shaky, and then he settles in, and it's like, some, I don't know if somebody said something to him or it was just, let me get into the rhythm of the game, but he made that throw, and then everything after that was pretty much money. The real thing, though, in this game, Colton, and the thing that's carried them through all the rough, the rough patches has been the run game, and it just kept getting better and kept getting better. The Lions put out that stat earlier in the week about, I think, for the first time ever in franchise history, certainly, two back with over 750, uh, Gibbs and Montgomery are both, I think they're both close to 1,000. They might, I don't know, you got a little time left with the, ex- the extra game here. It's not impossible that both of them get there. But again, they just take teams, take teams' will with the run game, and they've now got guys who can close, and I think that's that's the bigger deal here. Yeah, you saw it with uh, Jameer Gibbs. He's so explosive, man. Like, every time he gets the ball, it feels like there's a chance he could take it to the house. That's how explosive he is. Uh, He kind of shoots out of a cannon when he gets the ball back there. Uh, Hank Fraley spoke this week to us and said, um, you know, they like to joke that, uh, you know, good running back makes the offensive line look better. But really, there's a lot of truth in that. He was admitting that. Like, a guy like Gibbs, 
can take can take a little crease and make you look better and get 30 yards for you when you just did the bare minimum there, just doing your job. Um, and he can kind of add on those yards and, and get the yards after contact too. Like this man does not go down on first contact. And for a smaller back, like 5'9", sub 200, that's so impressive. Even when you see him kind of hit the sideline, um, you know, he's not falling down. He's not going down on first contact. He's fighting. His legs are turning. He's doing everything you need. Uh, Montgomery, we know the back that he is. He's a bruiser. Um, the guy that's going to get the workhorse uh, goal line carries. Um, it, to me, it's, you know, one of, if not the best, uh, running back tandems in the NFL. I think you can make an argument in Miami, those guys over there, but, um, I mean, Gibbs and Montgomery, this is everything they envisioned, everything they wanted at this run game, and um, maximizing an offensive line that's back to playing the way that we yeah, know they're one or, playing. one or the other. It's not, there's not too many others that have an argument. And there's actually some decent running back tandems out there now. Some teams have gotten better at pairing guys. But this is almost perfect. And, you know, mm-hmm. and you said it, that – I think if you watched uh, both those guys, Montgomery and Gibbs, before the season, if you really did, you would have probably said to yourself, Montgomery will probably have a higher number of yards after contact, right? You, we probably would have said, or at least, it, you know, Gibbs is going to have some yep. because he runs away from people. But, like, the, he doesn't. Gibbs is, I, I've got it right here, he's number six in the NFL in yards after contact. The difference... The difference, though, Crazy. is if I click it on the other one here, because I think he's also even higher on yards before. He's, like, number two. Yeah, he's number two. Number one running back. He's only behind Lamar <laughs> Jackson in yards before, which is the same, right? Leads the NFL in, in yards per so carry it's overall, too. So a perfect example yeah. of both parties are making each other better because the Lions are giving him two and a half free yards every time he touches the ball on average, which is ridiculous. Okay, that's very, very mm-hmm. good. Lamar's the only one better, and he only gets it because he runs around, you know, and creates it by himself. So you get two and a half, and then like yeah. Fraley says, he makes one cut and turns two yards into thirty. And I had the stat earlier this week; he's got ten, mm-hmm. I think, ten rushes of twenty or more. That's number one in the NFL. That's more than McCaffrey, more than anybody. Um, like, mm-hmm. pretty good. I mean, he's been everything we pretty thought good. he would be, and the, the carries are going up. And the touches are going up, and he's delivering. I mean, he's been a star uh, over the last month and a half here. It was kind of fun to kind of dig into some old uh, draft takes for me. Uh, it was. Uh, yes, it This was. Saturday. <laughs> yeah. I pulled out a couple of receipts. Because, like, I don't think it was hard to see the vision. Like, it might have been a surprise, like, when they took Gibbs, because we didn't expect right. him to go 12th. Um, you know, I heard some buzz that he might go in the 20s, but the Lions obviously liked him enough to make that move. Um but at the same time, like, it was it was sort of, you know, we were looking at running back. We were looking at Bijan. I was looking at a guy like Tajay Spears in the third round if they want to go that route. Because Swift was entering his last year of his contract and had not been able to stay healthy and was not giving you what you needed uh, behind that offensive line. And so when they made that move to get Gibbs, I'm like, this is the end of the Swift era. They are moving on. They are moving forward with Gibbs. And they probably think this guy is sort of this upgraded version that can kind of take their running game to the next level. And you pair him with a guy like David Montgomery, who is an upgraded version of Jamal Williams, it is not hard to see where they're going with this. And yet so many people, for whatever reason, whether it was positional value clouding their judgment, and that's obviously a part of the evaluation, but it can't be the end-all, be-all. And if you see a team that loves to run the ball, that has a diverse run game the way the lines do, and how everything works through that and the offensive line, yeah then it's really not hard to see why they would prioritize that position more so than other teams. And that's the way they want to win, and that's the way that they are winning in these games late in December. 
And so it's all coming together. This is everything they wanted, and they're I getting. Say it. I would give the people who really hated it a pass on, and I won't because this uh, because of this is why I won't. But I would say I thought about it for a second. I would give you, I'd give you a pass if you thought, okay, well Gibbs played at Bama, and Bama always has an off, awesome offensive line, and you know like whatever. That's we've seen examples of this in the past. Guys come through there, you know whatever. And, you know, he's probably good, but he's probably not that good. But that's also, like, a fallacy as well, because Bama's offensive line last year wasn't good at all. It's actually terrible. It's one of the worst <laughs> they've ever had. And if you actually watch him on tape, he's doing the same exact thing that he did last year. He's taking half an inch, turning it into a mile. And the comparison, if we look again, uh, here we go. Gibbs, uh, 3.22 after contact. And Swift, in the year of his life, this is the best year he's ever had in the NFL. Right? Best he's ever had, you. and yeah. we can make the argument he may never have a better one, based on like what you just said, the health. He's down there at number thirty-nine at two point four three after contact, and he's got two point one four before contact, which is top five. It's not comparable. It's not comparable. Gibbs has the ability to be a star, a perennial star in this league, and DeAndre mm-hmm. just doesn't. And I think that that's what we're talking about. Gibbs is a one A period back. Right, I think going forward, yep. and Montgomery is a one as well, and I think that's the conversation that they had with themselves: is we've got two ones, and let's figure out how to make it work. I think it was Lewis Riddick that said uh, Jameer Gibbs will be an MVP candidate. It's not going to be, yeah, that's high praise. Get him with the right like people, that. man. <laughs> like he's not wrong. You and, and I, I don't want to point fingers at Goff again here, but you get him with the right quarterback, and shit gets crazy. And like, yeah, he's not wrong. That's the type of talent this kid has. Nick, are you aware of uh, the stats when the Lions have their healthy offensive line in place? Oh, but it's probably just chaos at this point. I mean, yeah. It is insane. What, what is it at this point? <laughs> so the Lions are 5-0 and when they're starting five offensive line plays together. They average 38.4 points per game. They average 421.2 the yards. 421.2. This, this is not the MAC. This right. is not the Big Ten. 421.2 wow. yards. Uh, they average 179.4 rushing yards per game with that group and 5.5 yards per carry. And Jared Goff's pass rating is 121.7 and that's the, the, with that the, starting offensive line. That's place. amazing, man. That's, that's exactly what they wanted. Yeah. Right? It's exactly what they wanted. And, mm-hmm. and I think the hat tip goes here, too, beyond that, because they're not healthy. They're playing. Ragnow is playing hurt. Decker played hurt. And they both played terrific football. Did they not? They they really did. And like for Frank's yes. brother to just come out and tweet that he had meniscus surgery My after God. the game. Like like had gets hurt against the Bears, uh, you know, misses some time. Uh I guess it was probably before the Bears yeah. game, right? Yeah. Gets hurt gets hurt before the Bears game, misses the Bears game, uh, has to get the meniscus surgery. Uh Dan Campbell said he spoke to him when he was still delirious might have had from surgery, surgery. Like during the game. And uh, you know, like uh, <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Still and uh, <laughs> Campbell told him, like, I'll be out there next week. Don't worry about me. Like, while he was delirious from the surgery. Um, and then, lo and behold, there he was, looking like an all-pro, blocking for, you know, an off, uh, a run game that put up 180 rushing yards and did its thing again. And, um, you know, Decker, same way, was dealing with the back thing and didn't complain, went out there and bounced back after a rough performance against Chicago. So, 
Um, getting that that's what I've been saying for weeks. Like I think the root of the issues were kind of the offensive line. They were they weren't entirely healthy. They were kind of giving up some sacks, some pressures here. And obviously we know that Jared Goff needs, you know, some support around him to be as effective as he can be. Um, and when you have a group that you pay that much for and invested that much in with resources and draft picks, you expect that group to uh, kind of leave the charge for you, and they hadn't in recent weeks, but they definitely bounced back in this one, and I think that that bodes well for them going into the playoffs and you know finishing yeah. the rest of the season. Saw that uh, you know that's that's Herculean stuff from Frank. I mean, to be frank, be, not that's a whatever, but to be honest, yeah. that's that's yeah. that's pretty crazy, you know, yeah. because I mean, if you go back and you look again, and this is a guy I've seen the Pro Bowl uh, list out there. I think he was like wait fifth, like he should be a lot higher than fifth, ladies and gentlemen. You start start, start voting on that one uh, because he's been. Him and Sewell and Decker of late have been like MVP level players on this team. Panay's been there every game. He hasn't missed anything. So, I mean, he's probably got to be the guy. Mm-hmm. But when Ragnall is in the game, it's just a different situation. Like, even when he's in there with one foot or whatever, like, it's a different situation because he's now in year, whatever it's been. This is why, like you said, this is why they extended him. Uh, he's going to grind through all the dings and stuff. And these are the type of guys I heard people questioning Jonah Jackson's toughness earlier, too, which was ridiculous. Like, these are the type of guys that are going to grind through December and January and be there for you. And, like, that's what you said. Like, this is that's why you pay them. This, like, you talk about guys that you yeah. want to extend, and it's always this conversation. Well, you don't, you don't extend this. You don't extend that. And, yes, to a degree, you have to be careful with positional value and all that. But, like, the Lions, this is why they draft, and they inherited some of these offensive linemen, but they draft a lot of players like this. These guys are tough and they love football and like I, I don't like to see anybody play hurt either, but it's their decision and he played very well, so uh some of these guys can just do things others can't. And I think that Frank is definitely one of those he's a mutant type. I think did Campbell say that about him too? He's a mutant level might have said about somebody else, but Frank is in the category right there with Panay of like a mutant level athlete that people yeah, just don't understand that. I don't know why. It's take I've written about it for four years now. People don't, but Frank Ragnow, if you go back and you look through the, like, relative athletic stuff from that Kent Lee Platt does, off the charts. He's an amazing athlete mm-hmm. and um, terrific football player. The smarts now, right, are at a level that are just off the, you know, at, at a veteran level IQ, and that's the big difference, I think, at the end of the day. I think there is something to be said about just the mentality and the way these guys are wired. And obviously, like you mentioned, some of these guys were brought in before Brad Holmes got here, but the fact that he... Made made an effort to resign some of these guys, keep them in the picture, and know knows the knows and understands the value that they bring. Um, whereas if they're if they're a little hurt, their mindset is, "Hey, I'm gonna get the surgery. I'm gonna be right back out there for my guys." Um, you know, mind over matter kind of matters when you get into this point in the season, and um, that's certainly something that Frank showed this week. And I still don't know how he did it, but man, like what an effort that was. I mean, you got Go guys in the league not blocking receivers. George Pickens pulling up on a block because he doesn't want you know. So, you know, it's right? like toughness <laughs> is difficult to, to have on your team, and it's you just have to have it, and you have to draft it, and it's one of those things that you have to find, you know, and we talked, you know, another guy had a nice game in this one, Jameson Williams, is a guy that, you know, toughness comes in different flavors, we'll say, or whatever. It doesn't always look the same, and you have to really, but it's there, right? It's there, and every guy that they put out there that touches the team in a moment where it matters, there's not anybody that plays Really, right now, that isn't, like, you would say a pretty tough dude. I mean, that's the case in the NFL to a degree. But, like, you know, like, a guy that's going to go, like you said, every guy they put out there is going to do what Frank did, is going to do whatever. Because 
They got a yep. chance to win here. They got a chance to win some playoff games and do something. And like that doesn't come around every day. And I think that these guys understand that. You definitely do see it across the league, though. Like I, th- I think there are guys that. Um, I mean, you mentioned Pickens. That was, that was pretty yeah, rough. Yeah, that's week. not a normal thing. No, well, is it though? I think that is it. Was pretty I, bad. Like I would say, like Deontay yeah. Johnson, his fellow wide receiver on that team, like didn't run around yeah, like a couple weeks running, earlier. The like receivers are their own conversation. <laughs> but but that's what I'm saying. Look no, at the right, Lions receivers. Yeah. Even like I think I think Antoine Randall said or someone someone said a, a couple weeks ago. Like look at the wide receivers, look how they block, look at how they go out there, the effort they give, and that tells you how tough your team is. If your smallest guy at receiver, like Amara St. Brown, is going out there and getting into it with guys and blocking and doing what he needs to do, that shows you you're a pretty tough football team. And I look at that receiver room and I see Saint doing his thing. I see J-Mo, even when he wasn't catching the ball earlier, he was still going out there and blocking downfield for his guys and showing an, an actual passion in the craft. You don't get that elsewhere. Like it's, In some places, sure, but not everywhere. I think the Lions have, you know, crafted this for a reason. It's built this way for a reason. It's not a coincidence. You see those guys doing what they're doing. That 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 is part of the draft evaluation of bringing these guys in here and getting them all together and just kind of letting each other kind of, yeah. you know, fester the there way they are. There are only two other yeah. places and probably only one in the NFL that have receivers that block like this in San Francisco. And that they're also it just mm-hmm. happened to be right up there with Detroit and all of these explosive – you know, run stats and everything else. They're one and two or one and three or whatever. Miami is getting there, you know, obviously right now because guys mm-hmm. can see what it does when you block for Mike McDaniel in that offense. But, like, it's just not a lot of them. There's not a lot of them. You're right. And it's uh, it's few. a lot of teams have one guy, maybe, that will do it. And, uh, you know, this team, they won't allow you in the building unless, like you said, unless you're going to take pride in the technique and the physicality that is required of you to – Hit it. hit it. Like, the, that's really what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. There are guys in the league that complain about how many days they have to hit, and I understand it, but, like, that's football. So you're not going to play here unless you don't want to hit, and that's essentially what they have across the board. No doubt. Yeah, I, I agree. Defensively in the Denver game, Colton, um, you know, people have been complaining a lot, and, uh, again, I – this is another one of these games where they come out, they play hard, they play focused, they do what they have to do. Denver's not a juggernaut offensively. But based on the limited, you know, deck that they're being handed here, I, I again, think that this has been some pretty good stuff from that side of the ball that continues to get beat up by fans or just not trusted or whatever. And I get all that. Like, they've been pretty good. They've been pretty good. This was another one where they were pretty darn good. They have been. I think this is the first time in a, in a minute that uh, I haven't gotten Fire Glenn tweets at halftime or in, in the, the first, first quarter, I should say. Yeah, so that's right. probably a step in the right direction there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think the reason for that is that the way they started the game, picking up for the offense when the yeah, offense didn't stops. have it and they were kind of going three and out and, you know, not not getting downfield and, um, you know, you force a, a fumble in the first possession, then a punt, then another punt, then another punt, then another punt, you know, that was that was that was the first half. Fumble, punt, 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 punt for the Broncos. Um, you take that eleven times out of ten, especially with this group. Um, but more importantly, I think we saw adjustments, um, whether it was personnel or just you know game plan wise. Uh, they were being creative with their blitzes. Brought a corner blitz. Um, they brought Iffy's. You know, Iffy had a had a pressure where he. Came shooting through that gap, 
And I was like, where the hell did he come from, that speed? Like, where, where has this been uh, well, all season? <laughs> um, he played the he game really of his life, man. And uh, no coincidence because uh, his agent, who's also Tommy DeVito's agent, uh, Sean Salato was in the building. Shout out to Sean Salato. Uh, <laughs> that if he would play this well. But, uh, I mean, just the personnel-wise to get him out there. And they did that the week before against the Bears and like what they saw. And, um, look, man, he's a third-year guy. It's easy to forget about him sometimes because he's had some injuries. He hasn't really gotten opportunities here. But um, that, I think that just kind of speaks to the coaching staff that they'll turn to someone. And um, when it's your time, you better go out and make the most of it. And Campbell said the other day, like, Look, we got guys that develop at different paces. You know, Sam Laporta, he's coming here and has success as a rookie. But we've got some third-year guys that are just now starting to come along. So everyone moves at their own pace. Um, I think he was talking about Iffy in that sense and um, just what he, the game that he was able to have and come in here. And I think he had, like, nine tackles, a sack, forced fumble. Um, he did everything. Yeah, just did his thing. Like, that. he just, just balled out. Um, and then you look at, you know, I thought Cam Sutton had a great game, locking down a – uh, Sutton on the other side um, was kind of trailing him the entire game and and, and did well, did his job. Uh, you just look around that defense, man. They were flying around to the ball. Um, they look like they're playing with passion, with swagger. That's something that John Kaminsky said they were kind of missing in recent weeks. Um, look like they got it back. And it's one game. We got to see more of it. But they are getting some reinforcements here, and things are picking up. So um, definitely some momentum for this defense. I think they needed an effort yeah, like the, that. The sure. thing was awesome. That's. The- that was exactly the reason why Brad Holmes drafted him. Um, I, you know, at the time he was just a corner. He'd never played safety. He'd never done anything other than play zone corner. And he has developed and gone through injuries and everything else. And the only thing I could think when I saw him on at Syracuse was like he is a box safety who can be like a hybrid, you know, a hybrid box defender, basically just a guy who can move around, cover the tight end. Uh, and fit the run when you're playing a team that wants to put two tight ends out there and run it. That's exactly what happened this game. They finally let it, and like you said, Colton, last week a little bit we saw it. This was They just left him in there and let him go, and he was part of the blitz package early. They did a second or a third level blitz with him later in the game where he came from just to say, and he's, yeah, he's That's the one that got me. Because he's got that long. <laughs> yeah. the all 22 of that play is Fucking awesome. He's got that long speed, that. and he's long <laughs> as hell anyway, and, like, he's a weapon. And the really the, the most impressive things for him, for me, have been when they've lined him up against a tight end, and he's had to cover him in man, and he's made a play, or he's gotten... Like, they have not had a guy here that can do that since I've been watching. <laughs> like, they, they just doesn't have... You know, Branch is the closest thing that we can say to that, but Brian, obviously, you know, is sometimes needed in other spots. Like, they could both be out there, Yep. And I think that like that's that's really interesting to me. If that continues, and maybe that was just a game plan specific thing, but I hope it's not for Iffy's sake because obviously they're going to get CJ back here at some point, correct? I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh, what yep. rule? I don't know. But you've got other safeties. Keep him on the field. Keep him in there because I think that if you trust him now to fit the run, which it seems like that they do, because that must have been the big thing that was holding mm-hmm. them back, as far as I could guess. Um, now you trust him to fit the run? Okay, we'll leave him in there. And now you don't have to mess around as much with, you know, Jack Campbell and Derek Barnes out there together. Like, that was the thing that I was like, get yeah, that has to stop. Because, you know, that's just modern NFL. And it's like, no offense to either one of those guys. They're kind of both playing at the same level. You have to have another fast guy out there instead of one of them. And this gives you that with the ability to mm-hmm. still fit the run. Just really good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, 
in a perfect world if he was always this piece. Like you didn't know it took some time to get there and um he had to learn the position and the injuries definitely made things tougher on him. But uh I remember talking to you about in, in training camp about this my first year on the beat. Um and you were kinda of talking about his length and how he's maybe a modern yeah. DB, the hybrid role that you want. Safety, whatever you you know, you can put him in the box, you can fit the run, um, the speed to make up ground, like you saw it on display in that game. And Watch out now because, oh. <laughs> like, he can put he can put himself in this conversation. Because um, there was a point where I was like, "Am I gonna have to leave this dude on the roster bubble?" Like, I feel like they like him enough, and you know, Most Brad Holmes picked him, him and for that, three years, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right? Like, you just knew he was gonna <laughs> find a way on the roster, and he had enough talent to kind of, you know, give him an, a second chance, third chance, and kind of let him figure out the safety spot. But. Um, at some point, he was going to have to click. And you didn't really know what that would look like, but it's starting to click right now, man. I think this is sort of the role that they envisioned for him. And um, to see him go out there and have a game like that, I don't see how you nope. keep him off the field yeah. even when C.J. Garner-Johnson does return to action because he's proven that he you can know, help your team. He's an extra – he's a linebacker, basically, in, in that in that sense, a guy who just moves around and you don't have to really mess with it or worry about it. I mean, I, I don't know what all – he handles in terms of workload, but that was he played the whole game in that one. I mean, there wasn't anything that he couldn't do, so I would assume he's got the full the full thing. Hopefully he can stay healthy and everything and, and move forward from there. But that was, you know, really, really impressive to see. And what it, Anzalone played well in this game again. Uh, everybody really, I think, had a solid, good day, and I think it's because nobody was really out of position. And when, when you have a guy out there like that that's, like, so flexible – that can just take on different matchups. You don't ever have to have a guy that's in a bad matchup. You don't. You don't have to worry about like, oh shit, we're gonna get burned because our linebackers against you know like it doesn't have to happen when you have a guy like Iffy out there if he's healthy and trustable. And it seems like that's and they, I also like how they've been rotating in like Reeves Maven. They've been like doing you know like I I mm-hmm. think that's important. Keep some guys fresh, especially when you're gonna ask for a lot of like those downhill run fits blitzing like they like they still are doing so i mean like that i think that's been good too they're getting a lot of guys involved have to really at this point yeah they're doing yeah. a corner rotation right now between vildor and uh that's cool dorsey too. like they're 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 giving guys chances i mean bruce Irvin got back out there like you know for people that said glenn was sitting on his hands i think he was trying to give his guys a chance to you know bounce back and at some point you just got to make a change right like tracy's not playing a lot right now um, Jerry was benched and then got hurt, so Jerry's probably going to miss some time here. It seems like he's dealing with a hamstring injury right now. Those are guys that started, like, multiple games for you and guys that you trusted. And at some point, you got to make a move, and that's what he's doing now, and you're seeing some results. And, like, you know, I think there's a balance there as a coach. Like, as a fan, it's easy to say, oh, well, he had a terrible game, so you got to bench him for the rest of the season. That's not really how this works. you got to give guys a chance to bounce back, and if they don't, then you make that move. And I think he finally – reached that conclusion, and he's trying to mix and match pieces, and he's getting some results right now. We'll see if it can continue here, but um, you know, I, I give him credit for for trying different things because it's you know that last game was kind of everything you want to see out of a group like this. Like it's not going to be perfect every week, um, but if they can kind of you know stop the bleeding a little bit and get some stops here, get off the field when they need to, let their offense do their thing. That's a winning recipe. You can win games like that. You don't need to be the 85 Bears. Uh, so I, I definitely think this is somewhat sustainable if they can keep playing at this level. They're still bringing pressure, but not until they have a lead. You know what I mean? Do it when you got a lead. Like a lot of times he'll do it when they're even in score. And it's like, no, 
no, when it's even scored, man, get back. <laughs> get back. Like, early in the game, that's what they were doing. Just boring. They brought some pressure, more than I would have liked, but a lot of it was just too high, get back, everybody back, drop seven, don't worry about it, let the four worry about Russ. He's not as fast as he wants, you know, whatever. And they did. They did a good job up front with him. It was fine. And they covered. And, like, that's sometimes when you're down 100 guys or whatever, like, just tell them to drop and cover and don't worry about anything else. Anything else. And sometimes you get off the field that way, especially early in the game. And I liked how they did that. They didn't come out trying to set a tone or do anything stupid. Just come out, let the game come to you. <laughs> Make them make a mistake, then blitz and let you know do all the stuff you want to do. That was pretty cool to see. Yeah. And that I hope, for their sake, is what we see going forward here. Because this next one, Minnesota, I think is a better team. Although the quarterback situation is what it is, and you know, this is obviously a winnable game again, and obviously a playoff spot's on the line. Minnesota, what are your thoughts here early on this one? Yeah, a lot at stake, obviously. And um, you know, we talk so much about kind of how. how how Dan operates in weeks like this when he knows that the pressure is going to be there, whether it's you know after a loss, getting his guys ready to play. But this is a new situation in, in, in some ways, right? Like he's never been he's he's been a part of some staffs that have won division titles, but never as a head coach and never in this position with this franchise position to go out there and you know win division title for the first time in thirty years. So that comes with a different element of of, of pressure, um, something that a lot of these guys haven't dealt with before because they're so young in this league. And so I think this is a chance for us to kind of really see Campbell at his best or, you know, it could be another Carolina game. Like, you know, that was a moment. And it was tough to win 9 out of 10 to end the season. That's kind of what they needed last year to make the playoffs. But, you know, they can have some slip-ups along the way. We saw it in Carolina last year. That was not a pretty game. It was Christmas Eve, and they got blown out. Um, and so I, that's probably part of the messaging this week. Like, we have a chance to kind of take care of business. We're not – this isn't last year anymore – we control our own destiny. Um, we don't need help. We can finish this on our own this year, and that's what's different about this group. The, what, what we've done this season has positioned ourselves to kind of go out there and and take this division. Um, this is what we set out to do when we, when we started the year. Um, we had some progress along the way, and we're finally here in Week 16 with a chance to get it done and wrap it up. So let's go out there and do it. And I think that will probably be the message from this week. Game. Like the, For a lot of guys, not, there's not many guys on this team probably – other than CJ and a handful of others that have won a championship at any level of NFL football. Like when I say champion division, you know, conference, NFL, division you know, Super Bowl championship. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I mean, to a point you're standing up in the room saying, how many in here have done this? And the, the hand raising <laughs> is going to be pretty small. And you say, everybody else in here obviously badly wants to be able to do this. This is why you're competing and going through all this stuff. It's a championship game. Like that's, um, you know, there's not much else to uh, that probably needs to be said i mean i've been around football big time football a long time i mean these are you can tell the teams that understand what that means and you can tell the teams that are overwhelmed by it and i think that uh they've learned over the last couple of weeks i think and campbell's been trying to hammer it into their brains about we are we are all we are all we need we don't need anything else you know that we got enough here that um you gotta mm -hmm. keep kind of sticking through it as much as you can and then when it's time to put the hammer down you got to do it and they've stuck through it and now we saw last week uh, a big answer in a big spot that could have gone either way for them and now it's time to put the hammer down and i would i would be a little surprised if you saw anything different because they have had some licks this year right like i think if they would have started out like 
eleven and zero or twelve and zero and had a chance to do this at like eleven and one or twelve and one or something crazy like that, they would have choked. They would have choked like five times because <laughs> because they would have you know they didn't have they didn't have anything that they you know they they didn't have anything to fall back on. And I think that at this point. Um, and everybody says this, and it's true in football. It's true in everything in any team sport. You got to go through shit together before you get to their side. And like little by little, I think that's happened. And now they're in a spot to go let it rip for a championship. You know, that's that's big time stuff right there. I remember saying this at the, at the end of last year, um, but I think missing the playoffs last year was probably the best thing that could happen in this group. In some ways, it might have um, been, yeah. Because when you, because I mean, like. When you look at the focus this offseason, what were they able to point back to? Whenever there was hype about them winning the division and getting a playoff win, every veteran on this team was like, we haven't done shit. We did not win the division. We did not make the playoffs. We finished 9-8 and eight after a good run, after a 1-6 start. That was not good enough last year. We need to be better. If they had made the playoffs, they might have been thinking that they're the next big thing and young team, right? And you're, you kind of lose focus. You think your shit's sweet. Um but this team is so locked in. They've been locked in from the offseason to now. And I think they, that's something that they can lean on, especially in this moment where they're you know, on the cusp of clinching this thing. And that's something that's going to be on their minds. Like, this is in our control. This is not last year. Um, this is what we set out to do. We can do it right now. Let's end it here. There's no, time, there's no reason for us to let this linger. We, we get this loss, then you go to Dallas. That's a tough place to win. Then you got to come back week 18 and try to get this division. Let's end it now. Let's not leave it up to chance. This is on us. We have the talent to do it. We have the guys. We have the locker room. This is our this is our moment. So I think that's definitely going to be the message this week. And, uh, again, that's why I kind of point back to what they went through last year. Like, obviously you would have loved to see this team get a chance in the playoffs because the way they were playing kind of seemed like they could have taken right. anyone down the way they are playing last year, right? But same time, I think there's, there's beauty in kind of the struggle and beauty in some of the – adversity they went through last year and not making it and kind of feeling that, um, carrying that for this year uh, into a season that kind of set up for something cool down the stretch. So um, that's what this game is, and, you know, we'll see if they can get it done. Minnesota has got some – they've got some pieces, man. Um, Some some talented receivers, a very unique defense from Brian Flores uh, on the road in a tough environment. They're still in it, man. Like, they can rattle off some wins here. I know they don't have the quarterback in place, but like they've been scrappy all season and they can get another one here and at least make it tight. So, you know, we'll see. Their focus is going to fall for sure. Frankly, if you're Detroit, because this is, a, you don't, there's no other, like, there's no excuse to be let down in this way because the Minnesota, same thing as last week. They're in it still. It's a ton on the line for them. Like, and then, like you said, if you flip it around the other way, if you lose this game, like the pressure that you have to carry into Dallas and then back again for the next one is way more than you're probably going to be comfortable <laughs> with. Uh, but I guess we'll have to find out, you know, if that's the case. But like, you know, no champion. There's a big, big difference uh, in the NFL and teams that win a championship on the field and teams that win one in a you know meeting room because it was split or not in a meeting room, but like on the couch because they were watching somebody else lose. And you buy mathematical whatever you want it. And I know that everybody who gets to the playoffs, it's important and it's special and you earn your way in there. There's nobody that gets in that doesn't earn it. But there's a difference between the teams that earn their way in and the ones that don't. And, you know, I I think that uh, there's a difference in how they play once they get there. There's a difference in how they carry themselves going forward. The guys that were there that go through the whole season and finish when it's time to finish 
Like, that's what I'm talking about. Finish when it's time to finish, and then don't worry about whatever else happens because you took care of business when it was time to do it. You didn't have any of those, like, we let that one go. You know, we screwed that one up and got lucky the next time. Like, that's a very different feeling. With, with a game uh, like football where confidence is so fleeting and up and down, and even for professionals, as we've seen, you know, in people that watch it this close know that that's true. Putting or taking care of business when it's time to do it and winning time, man, that's like the best feeling in the world. You feel unbeatable, right? Like your confidence is through the roof. So hugely important that they get this thing done here, I would think, uh, in so many ways. It's not like, you know, mm -hmm. must win or guarantee they can still get in and do all the things they need to do, like 99% in you know, all this. But, man, like, mm -hmm. an opportunity to win a title and then go in the locker room, put the hats on and smoke cigars and all that shit, like, doesn't come around every day. And you got to take advantage of that when you can get it. No. Yeah. It's been 30 years, man. It's all, but, this, but like you said, this is the hallmark of a good team, getting it done on your own terms and not waiting for anyone else. And that's what they have a chance to do here this, this, uh, this yeah, summer. Yeah, I mean, I hope that if they do, fun. you uh, are ready to get uh, – maybe they spray. Or maybe they won't. I don't know if they do that for divisional titles, but they should. Because 30 years, cigars or something. <laughs> Some champagne, there. yeah. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, if they can get it done, uh, that is, of course. But, uh, yes. I don't – I don't know if I want to see CJ yeah, Gardner Johnson in a division winning locker so room after a game. Is he in or is he like <laughs> Yeah, so um he was limited Wednesday in practice. He wasn't really doing a ton. He was stretching and getting some work in off the side, I would say, but I think they're gonna ease him in. I don't think he's gonna play this week. Um it was just about getting him back in action and getting his feet wet a little bit. Um I it, that's just me if I had to guess. We'll see the practice report this week, but um, I would say maybe a better chance to play next week, and if not, Dallas, then yeah. probably oh, the the finale. Yeah, I I think he wants to be back for Dallas for sure. Um, but Nick, let me tell you something because this man was on a heater in the locker room yesterday. There was a palpable energy because you saw him out there in in practice. Oh, yeah, you knew right. that he was going to be in the locker room, and that guy has a grav gravitational pull unlike any player I've ever seen in my life. Uh, he, it's so funny too because he acts like he doesn't oh, like us. Don't tell us. You know what? No, I fuck with you. I fuck with you guys. You guys are, you guys are good people. You're right. <laughs> but he'll be like, he'll be like, get out of my face. But also come here and watch me uh, do this. You know. Uh, so he's just a character man. Like it's he's a fun dude to be around in the locker room. And like he spoke to us for he's 20 sweet. minutes yesterday. I would say 10 minutes on camera, another 10 minutes just you know a scrum kind of lingering by. Um, and he told us about the process of getting back. Uh, went to his home in, in Kissimmee, Florida, um, said it was basically the woods and his house was kind of isolated and he was lonely. So he bought a pair of dogs, a pair of pit bull puppies to get him by because he was so lonely there working out by himself basically. And I think he had like one trainer helping him with rehab, but it was pretty lonely for him. He said it was kind of dark watching the team win without him and, you know, yelling at his TV every Sunday. He's like, I'm glad I had some, I have, he's like, I can yell at some people now in person. Right, this is yeah. great. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, apparently he said he uh, you know he's a he's an artist he's a rapper. Uh, he says he wrote 350 songs in the last three months. 350 songs. Um, so make of that what you will. Oh boy. Uh, and then uh, yeah, man. I mean, he was talking about the team and kind of how they have a chance to do something special. And he's like, look, this is my fifth year. Um, I've won three division titles. Can get a fourth one here. Like. 
people don't understand, you have a chance to make a name for yourself and a lasting legacy if you kind of get division titles like this. Like, that's why guys from those 90s teams are remembered to this day because they um, they won a playoff game. They won a division title. They made the playoffs so many times in that, in that decade. That group was remembered. Um, it didn't get over the top, but they remembered for kind of what they did compared to um, – you know, other seasons in this franchise's history. And so this group right now, this feels like the very start, and they have a chance to kind of, you know, put themselves in that same conversation. And CJ was aware of that. He's a very uniquely aware player, I would say, in terms of legacy and and winning and what it means, because that that means so much to him. So uh, I wrote a story about kind of the whole process of getting back, and um, I'm sure they're, they're, they're happy to have him because his initial diagnosis said that he would be out for six months. In September, so he would have been out till March. It's not March. It is. <laughs> it is December twenty first. Just had to look at my phone. December twenty first, yeah, and this man crazy. is practicing. So that is pretty unreal. He was doing two days uh, with his trainer. He has a practice field in his house in Florida, and was grinding to get back just to help this team and you know help him get over the top. So he's here now. He's back in Detroit and uh, <laughs> back in the locker room making noise. Like the like other they thing want. that I think he would tell them when the camera goes off and when everything goes off is that you win division titles, you start stacking them. That's how you get paid in the NFL. That's how you get paid. That's how you stick no around. That's how you keep a job. That's how you get another chance. That's how you keep, you know, where you want a winner. Oh, okay, well, he, that person said something about you. Won that one time, so we'll give you a shot. We don't got anybody here that's won. You know what I mean? Like, look at look at what we just talked about with this group. So many of them have never won anything. This is how you get paid. Like, this is how you stick around and become an NFL player. Legacy is absolutely, like, that's part of what CJ's talking about. But beyond that, you want to keep making money doing this game, like, you better be somewhere where you win. Period. You play on a loser, oh, yeah. you better be all pro. Or you're not making it. Like, you're not going to hide mm-hmm. on a loser. Like, you can still be the guy who, like, gets by. And that's that's what... I think is the big selling point with the young guys right now is like you got to finish right now and it's got to be today. You create you create leverage for yourself because if the team is close to winning and you're kind of indispensable and you don't want to lose you it's a setback if you lose a player that when you're that close. That's how you get paid man, you're not wrong. Like I yeah, totally see the right. vision. Yeah, well, no we'll doubt. see how it goes. Colt will be there. Uh hopefully they'll I'm sure they'll feed you well. That is an amazing stadium. Uh yeah. That is you the best in the NFL, dinner. man. I'm not worried about uh, that. Nights. Uh, yeah, happy well early fed. birthday. Ben yeah. Raven's birthday, correct? Is that uh, happy Christmas Eve? Yeah. Okay, happy early. On Christmas Eve. Early birthday Shout to out, Ben. Of course. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be there. Or cool to be there to check it out. We'll be there next week to break it all down and see if we're talking about a championship. And if one of these years will actually be, maybe we'll still. The countdown is, we Ooh. usually say somewhere in, like, October. This is not going to be one of these years. We still have not had to say that yet. And so this is the furthest we've gone. Yep. We'll see if we can keep going here. Wow, how about so, that? Uh, anyway, thanks for listening this week. Uh, as always, for Bolt and I'm Nick. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you later.